if you want financial advice. So I would say, you know, the apps, it's not time for apps yet. It's apps are still like regular consumer apps are still yeah. three to four years out. All right, everyone. So today we have uh, Ganesh Swami from Covalent calling all the way from the other side of the world. And uh, Ganesh is the CEO and co-founder of Covalent. It's a blockchain analytics startup, which basically makes blockchain data more accessible to the general public. Essentially, their API pulls data from all the different blockchains, puts them all on a unified database and presents them in an easily digestible way for consumption. So Ganesh, welcome to the podcast. Hey, super happy to be here. Thank you for having me. So uh, let's get down to the details. What, what gaps you saw in the market and what brought you to start Covalent? So I've been in the data space for about a decade and uh, I started my career as a physicist building cancer drugs and uh, it's all data. My entire career has been data focused. Uh, about a decade ago, I, uh, I pivoted my career to the database space because uh, just the pharmaceutical space was really mo moving really slow. Um, typically, projects in the pharma space take about a decade to go to an MVP status, while my friends were uh, starting companies and getting funding and going through M&A transactions in less than two years. So I felt my life was slipping away. So over the past uh, decade, I've been doing all kinds of data systems. And one fine rainy day, uh, so Vancouver, which is where uh, where home is, it rains a lot. So uh, on a weekend, it was raining, there was nowhere to go. I decided to go to a database hackathon just for fun. So I went to this database hackathon and ended up building uh, essentially a connector where you can pull blockchain transactions from Excel just for fun and mm -hmm. ended up winning that hackathon and then decided to start a company to, to commercialize this technology. So that's like the genesis story of Covalent. Uh, this was in 2017, late 2017, so November 2017, uh, just at the tail end of the previous bull market. So our timing was very unfortunate. Mm -hmm. uh, there was no, no way to raise funds or anything of that nature. But uh, to be frank, uh, there was no gap in the market. For two years, there was actually no market. And so it was uh, quite a struggle uh, during that first two years and uh, there were no customers, no revenue, no traction, nothing at all. But what, what me and my co-founder did is we bootstrapped this company, built excellent tech, were able to refine our technology. And then when the market has actually became mature, right time, uh, right place, right team. So it's like an overnight success. So from 2020, um, it's been nonstop, uh, day in and day out. Uh, now the team is about, uh, uh, it's about 60 people, uh, mostly wow. based here in Vancouver. And uh, we have uh, thousands of customers. We index uh, like 40 plus blockchains. And, uh, you know, uh, we are now one of the market leaders. But our, our beginning was uh, just a, a rainy uh, afternoon, uh, just at a hackathon and uh, years of struggle. So nothing majorly, uh, it's not like a major insight or anything that, you know, that sparked our, uh, sparked the company start. It's just uh, plain old fashioned, uh, let's build something that's useful and which we had the conviction uh, would make uh, sense. And when the market was ripe, uh, boom, we were, uh, we were ready to go. Wow, so it was just plain old fashioned hard work in a sense. And was, was, that, was that hackathon your first uh, foray into crypto and blockchain or did you have, did you touch it? It was, before? it was. So in the database space, you know, we're used to thousands of transactions per second. So I've been looking at the blockchain space uh, I guess like from 12, 2012, 2013, when the first, uh, when Bitcoin came on the scene, I uh, I was aware of the Ethereum ICO, but I didn't really participate in it. I, I thought these things were a joke. 
because <laughs> uh, you know 15 transactions per second is like who cares right yeah. uh i didn't really understand the point and that's because i didn't understand and appreciate the ethos of uh of crypto crypto networks and the ownership economy and it actually took me quite frankly a couple of years even after starting covalent right even the first year of covalent uh i would say i was here for the tech right i wasn't really here for the the political or the economic revolution that blockchains would evolve to and that took me a couple of years of uh you know uh understanding reading white papers uh really believing in the ethos of crypto so it took me a couple of years and once i became a believer there was no turning back and you know my conviction everything just uh just grew 100x and there's no going back from here now i'm deep in the rabbit hole <laughs> would you say if you actually uh bought if back when you first found it that you wouldn't you what, what would you be doing right now if you actually bought if at that time when you found it <laughs> i mean uh i would still be building covalent right right now um i'm a very active angel investor i've invested in over 40 companies and i would say more than half of those companies have done really well but i'm not a trader i'm not really uh excited by uh money making more money right i'm here to build tech uh solve real problems and build something iconic that uh the entire crypto space uses so that's where uh that's that's something that i can do with my skills and uh and my conviction that money cannot do right you can uh money doesn't go that far like having a product out there and with the world uses uh directly or indirectly is uh for me that's a bigger win than you know the zeros in my bank right yeah yeah i mean that's a really uh admirable goal and uh for covalent uh i would assume it's mostly a b2b instead of b2c right uh we are a b2b yes but our route to the business is through a hackathon uh, developer so the way uh we we run five hackathons a month so very active so you know hack- hackathons continue to be our uh, mainstay because you know that's our our founding story and you can see the next billion dollar company start from these hackathons right and so here uh uh most of these guys who are playing with crypto on their on their weekends and at the hackathons just a hobby uh either are looking to move into web3 or work at a traditional web3 company and so they are just playing and tinkering with the stuff which they don't have time uh to play with during work and then it just you know builds that mind share and so eventually when the timing is right they take covalent with them to their next job or the next project so uh the i would say the b2c is more like a consumer style uh kind of like marketing and go to market but then that rolls up to a uh, b2b kind of like uh system uh speaking of the uh, i want i want to know more about uh like what kind of customers use your uh use covalent so from the top of my head i would think something like a uh, defi llama or dune analytics those kind of platforms they 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 are database platform so uh, what kind of users like use your platforms what kind of companies use your platforms our primary audience is developers right so it's an api so there's no ui there's no no buttons to click at it's mm-hmm. not like zapper or it's not like zerion yeah. where you can see your portfolio it's an api and the responses are in json so it's meant for developers so okay. here um the projects that integrated with covalent there's uh, there's probably like 4000 projects today live on covalent so it's quite uh, quite big uh, in terms of its footprint so here are all kinds of examples like the next samsung tvs are all powered by covalent uh, APIs so all the NFTs you see on the Samsung it's all covalent right so they're pulling all the data out if you use ledger if you use uh uh zerion uh the data if you use defi llama 
It use uh, I think the portions of CoinGecko, uh, all yeah. kinds of uh, use cases. So primarily, uh, the use cases are bucketed into wallet applications where you want to see your assets per per address, or NFT galleries where you want to browse your collections and compute floor prices and things of that nature. And then taxation tools where you want historical granular transaction data, and then the long tail of use cases. So uh, there's like lots and lots of you know yet to be explored use cases like DAO tooling and uh, wallet to wallet messaging. So there, any anyone who needs data, uh, Covalence APIs provide for that. Well, so so essentially, you guys really just cover just raw data and basically every aspect of. Mainly, basically, just every aspect of crypto, right? The whole industry. So you mentioned NFTs. On chain, on chain only. On chain yeah. only. We don't do we don't do uh, market data. So yeah. uh, we are, you know, in a way, we are an indexed bet on all of uh, crypto. So in 2020, uh, as the market started to heat up, we were the best uh, DeFi API. In 2021, we were the best uh, NFT API. In 2022, earlier this year, we were the best GameFi API. And then the DAO tooling API, it doesn't matter, right? Whatever the use case yeah. is, I think like stable coins are going to be huge, right? As a use case, uh, GameFi is, I think we are yet to see the GameFi explosion. Uh, the number of AA and AAA studios that are coming to the market is pretty impressive. So we'll be the, the standard go-to-market uh, uh, API uh, for those use cases. I think NFTs have uh, a life beyond the face profile pictures and these JPEGs. So there, you know, there's a lot of use cases. Yeah, the list just goes on. It doesn't matter what the emerging use case is. As long as there's data on the on the blockchain, uh, Covalent get it for you. Wow, that's really cool. And you you mentioned GameFi as uh, you mentioned GameFi just now as maybe a problem. It might boom up in the future. And I think you you also spoke uh, about that at the Korean Blockchain Week as well, right? So um, I think you mentioned that uh, the next wave of adoption will be championed by AAA Game Studios instead of startup blockchain companies. Uh, what's what's the rationale for that? So it's very interesting. So there's two ways this can play out, and I hope both areas play out. And I don't think one cannibalizes the other, right? Uh, I think the more the merrier. So if you look at something like DeFi Kingdoms, uh, which is the biggest uh, blockchain native game, it only yeah. has five thousand players. Five thousand players. That's it, right? And you know, if a kid releases an app on the App Store, on day one they get hundred thousand downloads. So this is still a drop in the bucket because of all the UX problems. But uh, we talked to a lot of AAA and AA studios and they all have 10, 15, 20 million um, uh, monthly active users. So for them to add a crypto experience is a stepwise increase in the total adoption of crypto, right? So those players don't even know they have a crypto uh, backend. So my bet is on these Web2 companies starting to integrate Web3 technologies rather than Web3 companies themselves uh, growing up in the, in a time over the long term you know definitely the crypto native use cases are going to explode right if you look initially the major use cases of the internet in the late 90s were web one or you know like uh, real life were like services that were moved to the internet that's all it was right and uh and then eventually you know 10 15 years later you had internet native applications like airbnb and facebook those things were not possible even uber is enabled by internet networks it's not really possible in another system so i think it'll still take a couple of iterations for uh crypto native use cases to explode right now all of the use cases on crypto uh most of the use cases i should say uh all use cases most use cases of uh, crypto 
is just taking a, a fintech or a traditional finance application or social media like Twitter and then decentralizing it. So it's not uh, super novel in its uh, consumer use case, right? You know, the technology is pretty novel, no question about that. So the question is about adoption. And uh, my bet in the next two years is Web2 uh, uh, adopting Web3. Mm. And uh, you mentioned uh, DeFi Kingdoms just now. Well, were, uh, were you actively playing it, or do you just like stood outside and just watch how the whole thing played out? So we're uh, we're a believer in the space, right? So yeah. we're not the project that um, you know uh, sits on the sidelines and and laughs at projects because of various issues, right? So DeFi Kingdoms, we're very tight to the team. We're actually going to be indexing uh-huh. their next uh, subnet. Uh, we wrote the most comprehensive GameFi book earlier this year. We wrote an 80-page book on how to understand uh, Web3 gaming. So wow. uh, their DeFi Kingdoms and Krabada was actively uh, analyzed for all of their metrics, reach, retention, and revenue metrics uh, that is relevant to a Web2 kind of gaming studio. Because these Web2 studios that are adding uh, Web3 experiences are comparing, uh, you know, mobile platform, Xbox, PlayStation, console-like platform to Web3 gaming. So for them, you know, cost of retention, cost of customer acquisition, uh, those kinds of metrics really, really matter. So this is a lens into what is happening with these benchmarks. And if you look at Axie Infinity, for example, the retention numbers were through the roof beyond anything I've seen in this space. I actually, when I pivoted from pharmaceuticals, I started as a gaming analyst. So I, I know the benchmarks in the traditional space and some of these Web3 gaming uh, games are like incredible, right? So so that's what's happening uh, there. And uh, yeah, so we're a believer in the space. So we will be indexing the next uh, DeFi Kingdoms and uh, they're just moved to a new Avalanche subnet. So we'll be the, I would say, the default data provider for that platform. Oh, and yeah, I think uh, for DeFi Kingdoms, I think recently they they said they were going to move on from Harmony to Clayton, right? Is it hard for you guys to index? So like, they, was it hard? They're taking a multi, multi-chain approach, right? Oh, uh, these yeah. like DeFi Kingdoms, there's no loss for them to move multi-chain. More users, the better the economy is. And so uh, I know they're doing some settlement on uh, definitely on um, on uh, Avalanche subnet. So mm-hmm. the DeFi Kingdoms is a subnet. Uh, they're also on Harmony and they're also on Clayton. And we index all of those chains. So Covalent mm-hmm. is the only provider uh, that is able to give you a holistic uh, view of the, the player economy. Oh, that's really interesting. And uh, yeah, I think... Um... Aside aside from DeFi Kingdoms and Krabada, uh, are you are you guys looking at any other games, any up, up and coming games at the moment? I'm not a gamer myself, so uh, I can't speak too much uh, to it. But our research team, uh, for research purposes, they they yeah. play all these games. Uh, so I can't really ask any questions when I see them uh, playing games at like 10 a.m. in the uh, <laughs> on a day. Uh, but. Uh, yeah, but we are very bullish on the on the gaming ecosystem. I think mm-hmm. uh, uh, these these app chains are really exciting for uh, for games. Okay, I think uh, we spoke about DFK, Krabada, and I previously I think uh, within the last few years, within the past few years, I was playing uh, XC, DFK, Krabada as well. And I think one problem which I saw, which I think almost uh, most of us saw, was that all these games they are not really fun. Like they haven't reached a stage where uh like the general public will see as see them as fun games and actually uh play those games so most of the user base i i think they will just in it to maybe farm tokens 
mainly for financial gain. So, um, how long do you think uh, we will have to wait before we see an actual fun blockchain game? I would say six months. And six months. Uh, that goes, yeah, that, uh, that goes back to my thesis that uh, Web2 games coming to Web3 will be better Web3 games than Web3 games. So the Web3 native games, you don't see a lot of uh, hardcore game designers uh, building a Web3 native game. They don't even understand a lot of the you know technical complexities of Web3 systems. So Web2 games, existing Web2 games, you don't even have to build something brand new. But if you add a crypto element to the back end, I'll give you an example. In the fintech space, Wealth Simple is an example of a robo-advisor, one of the biggest in Canada. And their focus is mostly on millennials. And millennials, they want to collect uh, NFTs, collectibles, right? So it, along with their stocks, they also want to see crypto assets. And so they have integrated Covalent to show them that view. So that's a Web2 experience for a Web3 audience. So that's oh. incredible. So imagine the same kind of thing happening within uh, Gears of War, right? Or any yeah. Xbox game, or it doesn't matter. And, you know, some of the assets are on, a, on, a, on, on the blockchain. Uh, and, you know, it matches up with all of the NFT drops done by these big, uh, big brands. Yeah. Like, for example, Warner Brothers, uh, Warner Brothers Consensus and um, Palm have a joint yeah. venture called the Palm Blockchain. And all the Batman assets and the IP is on that chain. So they're building a Batman game. Uh, those NFTs, which are within the Batman game, are settled on the Palm Blockchain. And hopefully that is through Covalent's API. So it's a no-brainer. I mean, you just have to connect the dots, right? So that goes back to my belief that Web two yeah. games is uh, is going to explode the the use cases here. Not not really Web three. It would be nice if Web three games, you know, grew up to be fun. Uh, but I think the other the first story is more credible, to be honest. Well, you guys are really everywhere. So you you mentioned Palm blockchain and uh, DC uh, with DC as well. So I was in that as well when they first launched. So. Uh, I was on the whitelist and yeah, well, you guys are already everywhere. And uh, speaking of NFTs, are you are you uh, investing in NFTs or uh, personally, or do you just uh, are you just mainly on the do you just work full, fully on Covalent? No, I'm not a I'm not an art collector or uh, things like that. I, I wear a black T-shirt every day, so I'm not uh, I'm not really into the collection piece. So uh, I can't speak much uh, about that. Uh, and uh, I collect POAPs though. I love POAPs. Mm. Uh, so those are kind of NFTs. And what I'm actually bullish on is this, uh, you know, definitely the, the digital native art is a, is a crazy use case, you know, very compelling. For the first time, uh, people who are digitally native, I'm not talking about people who are thinking about analog services. I'm talking about like digitally native art has a platform to, uh, to, to transfer and to represent themselves, right? So that's pretty exciting. Uh, I'm not part of that cohort, so I don't fully understand this. I'm not going to claim I even understand that. But if you look at the B2B world, I think there is a future here, I would say in the next five years, where all business processes are issued as NFTs. So, for example, your your invoices, your accounts receivable, accounts payable, if those are, are NFTs, now you can collateralize them. Now you can pool them together. You can create you know, all kinds of really interesting financial instruments, all verifiably provable on the blockchain, which is incredible. So you can settle invoices that way. You can do all kinds of things. And, you know, invoice, every invoice is pretty unique. The line items are unique. The invoice number is unique. But currently what we have is a digital copy, a PDF of an analog process. That's why invoices are all not cryptographically secure. They're all like serial numbers, right? They're sequential numbers that is invoices. So it's still an analog process. But once that moves to the blockchain, 
yeah, the NFTs as an infrastructure piece will just explode. So that is what I'm bullish on. I think that's about a couple of years out. Would you would you still say that we are still we're still all early in the space? <laughs> yeah, I would say uh, I'll give you some numbers to put this in the context, right? So Covalent is a developer platform, and uh, in on GitHub, there's 30 million developers in the world, right? So they have 30 million accounts. So GitHub is probably the number one developer platform out there. Uh, the blockchain space has about 300,000 developers. So something like Infura has 300,000 uh, accounts. So that's one percent uh, penetration. Covalent has about 35,000 developers on the platform today. So that's 0.1 percent. So in our mission to make blockchain data accessible through these uh, universal APIs, we are 0.1 percent towards our mission. So are we early? Yeah, we are definitely early. In our mission, we are just about to put our shoes and head to the front door to go on our mission. So we're not. We haven't even gotten started, to be honest. Oh, that's really exciting to hear. So, uh, what tokens or projects are you currently invested in or bullish on at the moment? I mean, we're in the bear market, but uh, we want to know. I want to know. I want to know. Uh, what are you still holding in your bags? Yeah, so I'm a I'm a straight up infrastructure guy, right? So I don't uh, I don't really understand uh, financial products or any kind of like advanced so options protocols. I, I just don't or derivatives. I just don't don't get it, and I don't even care so much. So on the infra side, uh, I'm I'm a believer in all the layer ones. So mm. I I hold uh, ETH, of course. I hear Bitcoin. Uh, I hold Polygon, Avalanche, uh, Phantom. All the other layer twos, so uh, you know uh, zk sync. It doesn't have a, a token yet, um, but uh, I'm also an investor in a lot of uh, you know pre-market uh, projects, mostly in the infrastructure space. So mm-hmm. uh, these are layer ones, um, like uh, Neon Labs is a is an EVM chain on Solana. So you know that's uh, releasing later this year, and Covalent will be indexing that. Um, Aurora. Excellent project. They're an EVM chain on Near Protocol, so yep. that's uh, super exciting. Evmos is EVM on Kronos. Sorry, EVS on Cosmos. Kronos is also EVM on Cosmos. Yep. Uh, Moonbeam. Uh, Moonbeam uh, is EVM on Polkadot. So very bullish on all those settlement layers. Uh, comes from my experience in the space. In the in the database space, there's over mm. 800 databases. Literally, there's a site dbdb.io. If you go there, there's 800 databases. So the world is diverse. You can never have one size fits all. So therefore, blockchains are the same. You can never. It's not. It's not going to be all Ethereum or all Polygon. It doesn't make sense. You yeah. need a spectrum of solutions. You need a, a cascade of uh, you know security uh, options for developers and for settlement, right? So that's that. The world is diverse. So I'm very bullish on all these settlement layers, right? And these the teams are not. They're not just you know. Uh, have a dead white paper and then then disappear, right? These yeah, teams yeah. are very aggressive in their roadmaps. They're building and building and building. It doesn't matter bull market or bear market. The second kind of like project I'm very uh, I'm very fascinated with is bridges. So here, you know, um, Axelar, I would say uh, Nomad is an example. Uh, even though recently Nomad got hacked and yeah. Covalent was one of the biggest tokens that got stolen from Nomad, oh. so about uh, 12 million dollars. Yeah. So it's it's pretty bad for our community, but I'm still bullish on the on the teams that uh, have built that. Uh, it was very unfortunate, and you know uh, our community lost a lot of funds. Uh, so the bridges are very very exciting. Uh, beyond that, I uh, uh, I 
like zero knowledge uh, rollups, zero knowledge like proof systems. So it's all mostly infrastructure projects that I'm very really bullish on. And quite frankly, if you want financial advice, <laughs> I think the application application layer is not here. Uh, yeah. So what applications do is they break the infrastructure, and then the infrastructure levels up to handle the next wave of applications. So imagine all the ICO projects, all those applications, they broke the blockchain, they broke the, the financial infrastructure, and that's why you now have stable coins. That's why now you have indexers. These things didn't exist the previous uh, thing. So the apps will disappear in the next uh, six months to a year, uh, but we know what apps broke the infrastructure the last cycle, and then the infrastructure will level up and there'll be a next generation of apps. So I would say, you know, the apps, it's not time for apps yet. It's apps are still like regular consumer apps are still yeah. three to four years out. That's my opinion. Mm, yeah. So I guess it's just a matter of time and uh, yeah, builders are building. So I guess, I guess you guys are really, um, when it comes to the bear market, I mean, normal investors, we're all, uh, we're all super sad. And then we're all, if you look at all the group chats, everyone's really quiet. So I guess for builders uh, specifically, nothing much has changed, right? Yeah, I think uh, for builders, my only advice is uh, keep your head down and continue building. Like Covalent, the the reason for our success uh, now is because of the code that we wrote during the previous bear market. So our business is dramatically expanding now, right? You know, Covalent as a project, as an ecosystem is dramatically expanding. So uh, we're indexing more chains in the bear market than in the bull market. So there's no no like no noise in the in the ecosystem. So I would say uh, if you're a builder, be heads down, build, build, build. It's actually a blessing. Think of it as a gift. Uh, these kinds of opportunities don't come that often where no one is bothering you. Uh, retail is not coming to your telegram and asking you when token. So none of that is happening. Uh, scams are not there. So it's actually a gift. So take advantage of the gift. Uh, only make sure that you have about two years of runway because it may be very painful for the next two years. I don't know. Nobody knows. Maybe we're heading into a recession. I would say go raise two years of capital, keep your burn low, uh, and then uh, when the next uh, cycle comes, man, it's it's your time. So mm -hmm. that's my only advice. Yeah, and for and for what uh, what about web two developers who want to get in the space? Uh, what sort of advice would you have? Would you give them? So, I think if you're starting, uh, like it really depends on where you are in your life. If you're younger, I would say go take some risks, go join some DeFi project. You know, the lots of excellent DeFi projects. There have been projects that have raised a lot of money in Q1 and Q2 of this year. So go, you know, just go look at, uh, you know, the block crypto or any news publication. There's been a lot of funding over the past couple of months. So go join one of those projects. So, you know, take some risks. If you're a little more, uh, if you have a little more commitments, like you have other other, uh, you know, commitments in life, then probably go join one of the bigger companies in the space. So you know, I would say like Coinbase, Binance, the exchanges are very very solid businesses. I would say um, uh, custodians are very very solid. Uh, even companies like Covalent, like we're an older project, most of the team is older. Uh, we don't really like, we don't like grind like 24 seven. We're, you know, more like stable kind of like uh, role. Uh, so that's what I would uh, recommend. And uh, you have to do your due diligence, right? The scams are abundant in this space. Yeah. So go investigate uh, what the team is up to, read their white paper, engage with their product if they have a product. And uh, generally you should, uh, you should join a team that you're passionate about passionate about the space, passionate about the product. So if it's an NFT uh, project, go join an NFT infrastructure or something. 
if you're into like consumer apps, you know, there's a lot of consumer uh, infrastructure apps coming up. Uh, if you're into data, you know, Covalent is a great option. So yeah, just pick your, there's lots of options now. There's, it's not like 2018 where you only had maybe 50 companies, right? Now there's at least, I'd say at least uh, 5,000 companies in this space. Yeah, that's really, really great advice. And uh, uh, moving a little bit off tangent now, what was your most degen story in crypto? It's not in crypto actually. So, mm. uh, oh man, this is a crazy story. So uh, we bootstrapped company uh, Covalent for the first couple of years. So we had no money and, you know, we, uh, the founders would put their money. So we didn't go to any conferences. We had no money, nothing at all, right? Mm. In 2020, in February 2020, we got a term sheet for our first funding round. And, you know, I was pretty excited. Uh, March uh, 15th or 16th, Bitcoin dropped by 40% Black Thursday. Yeah. And that yeah. investors stopped uh, responding. Uh, March 19th, I remember in Canada, there was lockdowns. So lockdown <laughs> happened. And then that that was like the world was going crazy. Uh, the stock market, broader stock market, everyone thought the world was finished. And, you know, stock market crashed everything. And so what I did is I went and put the, my down payment, uh, you know, I was, going to, I was going to go buy a house. I put my down payment into the company and then floated. And then that gave us like, uh, you know, a couple of months of runway. And then I went and I closed uh, big customers. I closed Consensus and I closed like these big companies and made Covalent profitable. And then uh, it was a V-shaped recovery. So by, I would say, July, things were back to normal and it was the start of the bull market. And then uh, we closed like a $3 million round in like three weeks, right? Because we were also profitable by then. So that was uh, a bet I made on uh, on myself and on my team, on my co-founder and the conviction we had in the in the, in the space, uh, which could have gone the entire opposite way. Then I would have just, you know, uh, be ashamed in front of my wife and said, you know, I lost our <laughs> down payment and now we have no house, no company, nothing, right? So I would say that was like... Uh, Probably the most degen kind of uh, <laughs> step I've taken, but I'm not. I'm not a degen. Like I don't. I can't take risks now, right? Because I yeah. have like, you know, you know, a lot of mouths to feed. So uh, now we are more. No more craziness like that. And uh, I went over to your LinkedIn uh, before before this podcast, and uh, you mentioned that uh, you're an adventurer, and uh, you talk about climbing up to Mount Everest base camp, right? So tell me more about about that. Uh, I've wanted to do the the base camp uh, EBC as it's affectionately called for many many years. A lot of my friends had have done it, and uh, finally I got an opportunity to to do it in 2018. And uh, a couple of things came uh, into light there. Uh, one is that uh, I was getting kind of like disillusioned with Covalent because uh, this is my fourth startup, and other startups within within I would say four or five months you get prepayments, you get customers who are willing to to pay for your product, and uh, you know you see that product market fit even before you. I think I would recommend if you're especially in the B two B space, go sell your uh, product even before it's built, right? Get like uh, LOIs or something. Uh, we got nothing. So a year in, we had no customers, no revenue. We had like some like early product. I was getting a little disillusioned. I was like, should I give up or not? And then uh, some of my mentors said, you should go, you know, take some time off. So I took a month off to do uh, Everest. So I trained for it for about six months and then um, uh, went out uh, to Nepal. And then uh, a lot of things went wrong on that trip, which is uh, very unfortunate. So first thing is that... Uh, uh, when we were flying from Hong Kong to Nepal to Kathmandu, uh, there was like some accident in Kathmandu. So they diverted the flight to Dhaka, which is in Bangladesh. 
and yeah. uh, we had no visas, we had nothing, and you know Bangladesh is a very conservative uh, Muslim country, so yeah. uh, you know they had to they had to give like hijabs to all the women, and then uh, we should have landed in Kathmandu at 8 p.m. We landed in uh, Dhaka in Bangladesh after all the processing at uh, 4 a.m. And then we had to catch the next connecting flight. So that was like quite quite the adventure, pre-adventure, I would say. But then once we started hiking, uh, it was incredible. I think uh, a lot of things, uh, a lot of things, I I, uh, I I was mostly by myself. So even though we were doing a, a tour guide, uh, like mm-hmm. as, as a group, uh, and, and my wife was with me, we were not, uh, I mean, uh, it's everyone looks so small. Right, because even if someone is just like five minutes away, you can't see them because yeah, the mountains yeah. are just towering in front of you. So I was basically hiking by myself, and then uh, uh, I think I don't know if it's like something uh, like mentally changed in me, or it was a lack of oxygen. I don't know, but I kind of felt uh, like I had existential questions coming up in my mind. Ooh. Like these mountains have been here for like thousands of years, right? Before I, I've been and. They will be here for thousands of years after I'm gone. So I'm just like a speck of dust in yeah. their uh, in their life cycle. So why why all this stuff? Why does it matter? Like what what, what what's the point of all of this stuff? I, I think it's the oxygen. I don't know what it is, right? Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, but it was a, it was a little crazy. And then, um, but I got lots of ideas uh, about mm-hmm. Kovalin stuff. So funny is like I was thinking about Kovalin on that trip too, right? Uh, because I I didn't know what to do. And then uh, yeah, but that was the most beautiful uh, trek I've ever done in my life. Uh, but what happened after the trek is uh, I uh, I burnt out. So it's it's a weird kind of burnout in the sense that most people burn out from work or from school, right? And they can they can study, they can't you know focus at work, and their mind becomes uh, mush. For me, I burnt out from any kind of like uh, external uh, stimuli or uh, you know uh, like social activities or uh, just like going out. And that was perfect for Covalent because uh, I, for the next, I would say probably seven or eight months, I I grinded uh, basically uh, eight to ten hours every day, seven days a week. And because I didn't want to go anywhere, I didn't take any Christmas vacation or anything. And all I wanted to do is work, work, work. And so I came up with lots of lots of like exciting like ideas to grow Covalent. Uh, that's when we started closing like you know these early stage projects. Uh, mm-hmm. Because we had all the blockchain data, I was like doing the queries on the blockchain data to see what the traction was, and then do outreach for those contracts that were having traction. So stuff like that, right? Uh, so yeah, overall, I would say I would highly recommend uh, doing a big trek like this. It really pushes and really tests yourself. It tests your commitment. Um, the Everest, uh, the summit itself, is very expensive. It also takes three months of prep work. And you really have to be committed, uh, and it's it's very expensive. It's like over a hundred thousand uh, dollars because of insurance and stuff like that. And it takes uh, three months because you have to look for the right weather, and uh, the chance of death is pretty high. Uh, I'm not that crazy, so I, I don't <laughs> think I'll I don't think I'll ever do the summit. Uh, but there are some people who do that. It's their life's work. Uh, I recommend doing uh, you know Kilimanjaro or you know uh, or one of the peaks. There are lots of like uh, uh, you know um, base camps. In the Himalayas, uh, Kilimanjaro is in Africa, in Tanzania. That's pretty cool. Is Mount Fuji. So I would recommend you know people uh, do some kind of uh, you know some kind of like commitment outside of startups and all that stuff that really tests yourself. I think you'll surprise yourself. You'll definitely surprise yourself because 
you can push yourself a lot harder than you think you, what you're capable of. Also, you're stuck on a on a mountain. There's no way to go, so you have to keep yeah. going, right? So, yeah. um, so I I would say, uh, you know, I I would say, you know, try 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 exploring that that path. I think it'll it'll surprise you. And then you know, the startups and all that will just just too easy, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, in a way, it tests your resolve, right? And then you carry that over into your startup, into your work life. So yeah. in a sense, yeah, it's it's good taking a break, and uh, yeah, really happy that that uh. It, Benefited you in the end as well. That's a really uh, inspiring story coming all the way up to Mount Everest Base Camp. Uh, any plans on going back there or to any other mountains? It's tempting. So I have uh, I have flights booked to Peru to do Machu Picchu. My second time actually. I did it about ten oh. years ago. So that's a three day trek to uh, to Machu Picchu. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to do it this year because. Uh, uh, because you know the market is so hot, like there's so much work to do for Covalent, so I might uh, not do. I, I can't take the risk of another burnout, and you know <laughs> uh, it'll be it'll be like another like six months of grind. It's it's too much. Um, but uh, I I definitely want to try something. Maybe when things are not so crazy, mm, uh, maybe yeah. in like a couple of years. Yeah, that's great. That's great. And speaking of traveling, uh, not sure if you heard of Token Two Zero Four Nine. It's a pretty big event here happening in Singapore. All the big guys are coming over. Uh, crypto event. So, uh, any plans on coming for the event here? It's an unfortunate timing. So, Token Twenty Forty Nine was supposed to be yeah. in May of this year, and then it got rescheduled. And uh, I just finished a big bout of travel. So, I was in Korea Blockchain Week last week, and I was in. Uh, uh, I was in uh, India and Dubai and uh, New York for eat uh, uh, New York and uh, Austin and Miami. So I did a lot of travel uh, this year, and uh, going out September uh, is Lisbon for Neocon and uh, Masari mm-hmm. in New York. So a lot of travel. Unfortunately, the Asia trip uh, had to be cut out because it's too far uh, for for us. But next year for sure, it's it's a great event. I, I wish I'd been uh, I was able to make it through. All right, and sure. uh, yeah, we've come to the end of the podcast. Uh, uh, thank you so much, Ganesh, for taking your night. I think it's really it's uh, around twelve, almost twelve, right, in Canada. Uh, nine p.m. Oh, nine p.m. Okay, still early, not too late. We're in the uh, West yeah. Coast. We're in the West Coast. Yeah. <laughs> great, and uh, yeah, thank you so much for taking your time on this podcast, and uh, um, yeah, we'll see you around. Bye. Yeah, thanks so much for this for the opportunity. Cheers.